Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. You turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 21. And today, the first of a series of messages that are really based out of Romans 15 and the promise of hope. I think I've been through a lot of things in my life, and probably most of you have as well, no matter how young or old you are, things that you would say were life-altering events or events in your life that have been difficult. I personally have not gone through anything that's any more difficult than what we've gone through with COVID and, and all of the associated things that we've experienced together and continue to experience. We're not done yet. We're not through this. And, and I wanted to bring a series of messages to you of hope because in Christ there is hope. And, and we have exactly the promise of Romans 15, verse 13. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is going to be our central text for the next several messages. We are people of hope in a time of uncertainty. We are people who are blessed with hope when the world doesn't have hope. We are people who know hope in the face of the greatest difficulties that we could ever face. We have hope because our hope is not in this earth. Our hope is not in the things of this earth. Our hope is anchored exactly as Hebrews 6 tells us. It's anchored in heaven. Amen? And so we have reason to hope, And I just simply want to speak to you about the hope that we have because of who we are in Christ Jesus. So would you join me? We'll pray. We'll pick up in Genesis chapter 21. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you uh, for you releasing us to go back indoors. And as we prepare to do that and do it safely and appropriately in a way that honors you, We've fought hard these last nine months to try and do everything that's been asked of us, and we don't want to stumble now going across the finish line. And so we pray for all of our staff and those that will be uh, altering the things that we have put outside to bring them back indoors. We pray that you'd bless all of those efforts. But today we've come, Lord, to be filled with hope. And so we ask you right now, Father God, fill your church with your hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, sometimes at Christmas, I think we're tempted to kind of focus in on the Gospels. And as I've shared with you before, there's there's always this tendency we have as pastors to go, okay, well, how am I going to approach this in a different way this year? Because the Gospels only tell us the Christmas story. They don't tell us the background of Christmas. And, And here's the real issue for us as the church The Christmas story does not begin in Matthew and Luke's gospel. The Christmas story actually begins in the book of Genesis. 
The Christmas story is actually the story of redemption, isn't it? It's the story of the coming of the king, of Emmanuel. But it doesn't begin in the Gospels. It actually begins in Genesis 1-1, if you really want to look at it, in the beginning God. And then you could certainly say it begins in the garden, as we have this first couple, the prototypical couple of all of humanity, Adam and Eve. And you can see God step into their time, and even though they blow it, he fixes it. You could say that it continues on in Noah's time, and Noah's in a time that Jesus would actually speak that as it is in the time of Noah, or was in the time of Noah, so it shall be when the Son of Man comes. So God's been at work with the plan of redemption since day one of humanity. But I want to pick up the story of hope with you in the life of Abraham. Because I think beginning in the life of Abraham, we see God's active, purposeful, willful distribution of hope in the life of a couple that had a real reason to not have hope. God had made a promise to Abraham And he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the sands of the sea. I'm going to make you the father of multitudes. And when we pick up the story of Abraham and Sarah, what do we actually begin with when you look at their story? They don't have any kids. Now, I would think, now I don't know how many of you have given birth after, say, 30 if you're here and you're a mom and you gave birth at the 30, that's, that's a little tougher than at 20. And 40 would be a lot tougher than that. And 50 would be, mm, that's getting kind of sort of different. 60 is like, whoa. Now push along a little further to 80. And you got no kids. And Abraham's 100. You think if God made you a promise, you might start kind of thinking, man, God, how are you going to pull this off? That's the story of Abraham and Isaac. And it's a promise of hope. It's a promise that still applies to us today. And it's a promise I think we need to remind ourselves of today. And verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah, As he said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Church, that still applies to you today. What God says, God does. He is the God of hope. For Sarah she conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And at the set time of which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore Isaac. And then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And now Abraham was 100 years old. Now I guarantee you there were days of doubt. And I know for me, and I'm sure for most of you, uh, during this pandemic, we have had times of doubt. We've had times of fear. We may still have some of those 
times of doubt and times of fear, days when you wonder, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you delaying? But I want to draw your attention to what God is doing here. He's proving he's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of the faith that we've placed in him, that he doesn't ever go back on his promises. He, he is fully able to accomplish that which he said. We have a reason in that sense to have the utmost hope. Abraham was going to have two sons. You see, Sarah kind of got ahead of God, didn't she? She said, look, it's not looking so good, honey. Here's Hagar, the Egyptian. Why don't you go into her? Look, I, we, we can't pull this off together. In other words, our flesh hasn't accomplished what God promised. Church, your flesh will never accomplish what God promised. Only God can accomplish what God promises. And God has a perfect time in that. Uh, I have to tell you, it's been a struggle for me personally through this pandemic. It's like, Lord, am I doing the right thing? Am I leading your people in a way that honors you? It seems like this isn't going to end. Oh, there have been questions. But God is faithful to do what he promises. And he simply told me, Jeff, you be faithful. It's up to me to take care of the stuff. You be faithful. You do what I tell you to do. You see, Abraham had received a promise from God. He said, I'm going to send you to a land that you know not. And in fact, the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 11 were told of this very promise. And it says there in verse 11, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys. Church, you're going to have both in life. You're going to have mountaintops and you're going to have valleys. You're going to have high places and you're going to have low places. You're going to have difficulty and you're going to have blessing. Every land that we touch as human beings are filled with both. But those hills and valleys which drink in the water of the rain of heaven... And the land for which your Lord God cares, for the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the end. God is a God of hope. He's made promises of hope. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Says the Lord. That's his deal. That's who he is. And I think during this time it bears reminding ourselves that I think sometimes you don't appreciate the mountaintops until you have the valleys. I think sometimes it's the valleys that become more important. Because you look back, it's like I was sitting there discussing with, with some of our 
senior staff a while ago, it's like, look, this isn't going to be perfect going back in the main sanctuary. We're still going to have to have masks. We're still going to have to have some social separation. We're still going to need to do some things differently. But you know what? It's better. You start to appreciate, at least we're not outside. We aren't going to have to listen to the next church next door, which seems to do worship during their entire service. We're, we're actually going to be able to go in and control the environment a little bit and have some heat. And eventually the Lord's going to release us. You see, you start to appreciate the mountaintop when you've been through a valley. You're not going to get rained on <laughs> while we're doing church. But in church life, in your own private life, in my own private life, sometimes I get so used to the mountaintops that I forget that the valleys have value. The God who offers us hope does not offer us a journey without travail, a journey without trials, a journey without trouble. He offers us a journey that will have those things, but he says in that journey, fear not, for I am with you. Always, even to the end of the age. And so in the life of Abraham and Sarah, we see this hopeful expectation. We see them actually live a life of hope, even in the midst of their own personal struggles and failures. And again, for sake of time, we'll not cover the whole of Abraham and Sarah's existence on this earth, but I think it's safe to say they were not perfect people. Amen? They had some issues. They needed some marriage counseling at times. They had a little trouble telling the truth, both of them. They kind of were jacked up in a few ways. Abraham's now got two kids. He's got one that he shouldn't have had. But he was still a man who trusted God. Implicitly trusted God. And so what can we learn from this? We can see that God is the one that fulfills the promise. He's the one who establishes the hope and then brings the hope to pass. You see, hope, if it's just wishful thinking, is kind of dumb, isn't it? You know, a spoonful of sugar may make the medicine go down, but the medicine's still going to taste bad. You, you, you always can look at things from a practical standpoint and say, well, I could do this or I could do that. But hope is not just that wishful thinking. Our hope is based on the one in whom we place our hope. I'm hoping in the king of heaven. I'm hoping in the creator of the entire universe. I'm hoping in the one who has never made a promise and not kept it. I am hoping in the one who has the capacity to fulfill absolutely everything he's ever said he would do. And so my hope is different than I hope that my bank account gets filled up with money. Or I hope I get a new job. 
or I hope I can buy a better home, or I hope I get a nicer car, or I hope I find this type of a relationship versus that one. You see, those are all hoping in things that are controlled to some degree by this world, the devil, and your own flesh. I hope in heaven. Abraham hoped in heaven. And so when God made the promises in chapter 12 that he'd make him a great nation, that he would be a blessing to the whole world, that he would go to a land that was filled with milk and honey, that that he would multiply as a family, when he made the promise that through you, the whole world is going to be blessed, and it's going to come from your progeny, from your lineage, God wasn't making hollow promises. And if you notice Abraham's story in the book of Hebrews, specifically in what we call the hall of faith or the role of faith in verse 8 of Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, You see, it's not hoping in that sense that that you don't know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen because you know the one who's going to make it happen. That's a different kind of hope. We need that kind of hope active in our lives right now. I need that kind of hope active. And by faith he dwelt in the land of promise. But in that land of promise, was everything okay with Abraham? The answer is no. The land was filled with a foreign people. It was filled with foreign gods. They dwelled in tents. Everything wasn't perfect. Their family all of a sudden didn't get functional. It was still dysfunctional. There were still some things to work out. But their hope was in the Lord. And I think this is so important for us right now in this season that we're in. My hope, your hope, our hope is in the Lord. That's where my hope is. Now, I'm blessed we have a third vaccine now that's going to be distributed this week. Praise God for that. Amen? Praise God. That's a little ray of hope. It's a little light at the end of the tunnel. But my hope, hope, my real hope, is that God actually still has this under control. He's got it under control. So my hope actually isn't just in the vaccine. It's in the God who put the the, the knowledge into that person's head. God who created everything. You see, my hope is much greater than just in the end to COVID. As much as I want COVID to be over, and so do you. Can I just tell you that God is at work while we're waiting? God is working while we're waiting. We see that in the life of Abraham and Sarah. Behind the scenes, God was at work. Now, they couldn't see God working. And in fact, 
they actually saw the opposite of God working. They, it seemed like God wasn't working. They were waiting, but God was working. And that's true for you today. You may be waiting, but God is working. God didn't go to sleep last night. He never sleeps, nor does he ever slumber. And he's not like you and me if we don't get enough sleep. He kind of wanders around the universe groggy. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I don't get some sleep. I'm like, oh, man, don't get me to do anything that's meaningful right now. That's not God. God's on duty 24-7, 365. He's always at work while we're waiting. We're going through a difficult time. God's behind the scenes. He's got it totally under control. We just can't see it yet. And that's why we have to have this kind of hope. But it's also true that our hope is going to get tested. Our faith is going to get tested. That's why James says what he says, count it all joy when you fall into these diverse things. Have you seen what we've been going through as an opportunity for your hope to grow? You should. I should. My hope is buoyed when my hope is tested. My hope grows, in other words, when my hope is tested. If my hope is not tested, then I don't even know if my hope is at work. But when my hope is tested and God comes through as he says he will, then I go, I'm going to hope some more. I'm going to trust some more. I am going to have more faith, not less. My hope grows. Because it's in that hope, just like it happens in the life of Abraham and Sarah, that when my hope is tested, my faith is tested, it is there I actually get a chance to see the power of the living God. I'm witnessing the power of the living God. God has sustained us through all of this. We're sitting out here meeting in an outdoor sanctuary. We're all wearing masks. If you'd have told me that people were going to come to church wearing masks and have to stay separated and, and, and that the church would still be okay almost a year later, I'd have gone, nah, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Now, none of us like what's going on. But our faith's been tested. You've had to make a conscious choice to come and say, he is still worthy of praise, mask, no mask, indoors or outdoors, I am going to praise the Lord. Amen? Has he not been worthy during this whole time? Has he failed in one measure of what he said he would do? No, he has not. He is worthy of the hope that we have placed in him. It's the revelation of his power. Interestingly, about Abraham and Sarah in Romans chapter, Romans chapter 4, they were good as dead. That's what the apostle Paul says. And yet God was faithful. They were on their way out the back door, but God drug them back through the front door. He's going to make good on it. And, and so that hope actually releases the power of faith. It's like when I have these things right, 
It's like there is no word from God that shall be without power. That's what the gospel author Luke said there in the very first chapter. When God says it, it is. It's foregone in its conclusion. God's not just messing with us. Now, I know none of you ladies would do this, but us guys, we're, we're a little carnal, a little crass, especially as kids. It's like, you know, we, we put bugs in jars and we kind of like inspect them. It's like, yeah, I got you in my little world here. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm exercising my dominion over you, you cricket. As guys do that, we're just weird. Sometimes we're really weird. Now, now don't think that I'm, you know, like this now. But, you know, you take out the magnifying glass and, you know, you can focus the sun's energy and it's like, let's see how much heat he can stand. <laughs> oh, that was too much. God's not like that. He's not going to fry you inside of your little globe of your life. He knows exactly what you can stand. And there is no temptation that that has come to you, but that which is common to man, and in it there's a way of escape. God is working out some great purpose in your life through all of the tests and trials that you go through. He wants your hope to grow. And as he delivers you in these individual things that you're going through, as he shows himself faithful, as he time and time again does exactly what he claims he will do, it causes us to go, I can trust him. If I'm in this trial, I can trust him in the trial. If I'm going through this difficult time, I know this difficulty has a purpose. Something good is going to come out of it. That's why we know that all things work together to the good, for the, those who love God. Our Romans 8.28 promise is a promise, church. That's a promise of hope, by the way. To those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, those things work out for my good. That's what happens in my life and in your life. I, I can see God accomplishing his purpose. You see, Abraham is the progenitor of Jesus. Amen? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and from one of Jacob's sons comes Jesus. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. One of Jacob's sons. If God wasn't faithful to Abraham, there'd be no Messiah. You could throw your Bible away. It it would not be true. You can just toss it. If there was no Abraham and no Isaac and no Sarah, God doesn't do this, there's no Jacob. If there's no Jacob, there's no 12 sons, there's no 12 sons, there's no Judah. There's no Judah, there's no Jesus. The Bible would be a farce. But God was faithful. You think God had to pull a few uh, strings in eternal sense, to make all of that happen? You think he had to control a few uncontrollable things to make that happen? You think he could do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think to make that happen? He did, and he does, still is. He's still at work, church. He's still doing the same thing. A little equation for you. If you take faith and you take promise, it gives you hope. 
You, you see, when I take my faith and I add to it the promises of God, then I can hope properly. You, faith is the substance of things hoped for and yet not seen. That's what Hebrews says. In other words, it's not just because I can prove it. I believe it in spite of not even seeing it yet because it's true. And then I add the promises of God to it. It's like, man, now I have hope. Church, no matter how long you have to wait, no matter how long we are tested, for Abraham and Sarah, it was a long time. It seems like this COVID thing, somebody asked me, you know, well, how long has uh, Los Angeles been locked down? I said, nine months. Do you remember when this first happened? Do you remember what we were told? It's going to be 30 days. Nine months later, we're at the worst peak of the pandemic. Everybody's saying, well, I'll be over by summer. Be over by the middle of summer. Be over by the end of summer. Might be over by Christmas. You you see, when your hope is in Jesus, then you just keep moving on. You just keep going. So he's got a plan. All right, so it wasn't 30 days. It wasn't 90 days. It wasn't six months. It hasn't been nine months. Am I going to lose hope because of a virus? When the Lord of heaven and earth has promised me that he will not leave me, he will not forsake me, what he promises to do, he will accomplish? You see, my hope is anchored exactly as the writer of Hebrews says. It's anchored in heaven. In other words, my hope, just like the hope that Abraham had in Isaac, was spiritual. It was a war against the flesh. I have to fight my flesh right now, and you have to fight your flesh right now. You see, my flesh wants to say, well, let's just rebel. Let's just just do what we want to do. I tell you, during this pandemic, I've probably gotten conservatively 700 to 1,000 emails. And about half of them have some degree of you should do this in it. That's serious. You know, you should just rebel. You know, my flesh, when somebody says that, you know what my flesh does? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's do it. And then the Lord speaks into us. like, no, you can't do that, Jeff. You're going to lose your witness. Oh, that's right. You know what? God has been faithful through all of it to sustain and to speak and to move. And that was not easy for Abraham and Sarah because their family was blown up. Their family was blown up. Remember what happened with Ishmael? Finally, Sarah gets jealous. It's like, here, I got Isaac. And it's like, you know, okay, Abraham, now it's time for you to man up. I want you to toss, I want you to toss Hagar and Ishmael out of the family. There was marital strife. Abraham had to deal with it. And Abraham's heart was rent. It's like, man. I let my flesh get involved in this, and I didn't trust God for a moment. 
And now I've got to do this. Church, that's the battle. It's still the battle. It's the battle for you. It's the battle for me. It's our battle. It is the battle of flesh against spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak at times, isn't it? And we have to see it for what it is. You see, ultimately, Jesus would be the only hope. And so the hope was still coming. On God's side, he was still going to make good on what he said. But Abraham and Sarah were going to go through some rough days. They would, they would watch, just as Adam and Eve watched God reject Cain and choose Abel. Just as Ishmael is rejected and Isaac is chosen, that's the second. That's kind of a picture of that second birth that we've had. It's going to ultimately be for you as it is for me, as for every child of God. It is going to be, it's going to be a war between your flesh and the spirit of the living God. And if you yield to the work of the Spirit, exactly as James said, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you've got to yield to the Spirit. I've got to yield to the Spirit. And it's not easy. And Paul will go on and, and elucidate this point there in Galatians 5. And he says, look, if you walk in the Spirit, then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, our hope is in the Spirit of God. Our hope is not in the things of this world. It's in the Spirit of God. And in fact, my flesh often lusts against those things. I have lost my patience at times. I have wept at times. I've gotten angry at times. I've gone through every possible emotion these last nine months. It's just like... What are you doing, God? Are you going to just allow us to be wiped out? Is, is that where this is going? Because if you listen to some of the news media right now, it's like the church is going to disappear. I was like, well, maybe, you know, and you just, you have to fight that fight. You have to get engaged in that war. And this whole time, you, you think back to Abraham and Sarah, I, I, God has got a sense of humor. It's like, I want you to name him Isaac. Laughter. It's like, well, you haven't lived in our house very long, have you? Nothing to laugh about here, God. We're as messed up as a family can get. Abraham's got two wives, two sons, and they're fighting. flesh, it's spirit. It's going to be flesh and spirit until we get home, church. But because of that promise of hope, Isaac began to walk with that new nature. Isaac began to do what needed to be done in that moment. Isaac represented that promise actually coming to fruition in a practical way. And by the time they would get to Mount Moriah, here's Isaac saying, I trust you, God. 
Even though he looked, he says, you know, uh, I see the wood. And I see the fire. Uh, where is the sacrifice? The faith that they had to hope in the living God showed up in that moment, didn't it? God will provide himself a sacrifice. You see, Abraham had to trust that God was either going to raise Isaac up from the dead or do something miraculous to keep him from being killed. But the only place he could go was God. Abraham had no chance in that moment of pulling that off himself. There was no answer that Abraham could bring about himself while they're going to Mount Moriah with the wood and the knife and the fire and just Abraham and Isaac, there was nothing that they could do. They had to rest and trust that God was going to pull it off. Church, we have to rest and trust that God's going to pull this off. That's where our hope has to stay. It's where my hope has to stay as your pastor. I can't get caught up in all the what-ifs. I just can't. I can't go down every rabbit trail, every road. Well, let's do this and let's do that. And let's go here and let's go there. That's what Abraham and Sarah did. And every time they left the path that God put them on, they ended up with more problems than they had before they started. If they had simply believed God and acted on that, if they had desired the meat of God's word instead of the milk, if they would not taken the easy path but taken the hard path the whole time, they would have had a whole lot easier life. And so our hope is in the one who knows exactly what to do in absolutely every moment. As we mature in the Lord, exactly as 1 Corinthians reminds us, or in chapter 13, as we mature in the Lord, we put away childish things. Right now, it's time for the church to be mature. To die to ourselves and place our full confidence, our full hope in Jesus. Amen? In John chapter 12, Jesus said it this way. Verse 23, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. For most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life will keep it. For eternal life, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. For where I am, there my servant will be also. For if anyone serves me, my Father will honor him. Church, we, we live a life of service. We live a life of sacrifice. We live a life of hope in that service and sacrifice. 
We live a life that's willing to die to self. You, you see, my old nature, my sin nature, wants its own way. My new nature in Christ says that old guy's got to die. Then the new man's got to live. And because of my new life in Christ, I'm actually free. And I've found myself over the last month or month and a half of just reminding myself exactly how far I've come. We've come. The church has come. Where we were and where we are. Now the truth is we're not home yet. Amen? But we're also not where we started. We're not back in Ur of the Chaldees where Abraham began. We're not living in a heathen society. We've made a long, tough journey. We're down the road, and our hope should reflect the fact that we've come down the road a long ways. And if we have the hope to get this far, should we not have the hope to get the rest of the way home? I say we should. You see, I think for many of us, the promise of hope has to ultimately be put to the test so that we can get home. It's like God allows our hope to be tested in this moment so that we'll have the strength to finish the journey. As he delivers us in the moment, he's saying, in this moment, I want you to recognize, I can do this. Now, this is going to be a Christmas like no other Christmas in my lifetime. I've had staff call and say, like, I, well, we're going to have our friends come over. Well, if you have your friends come over, then you've got to quarantine. <laughs> if you haven't been around them, here's what you've got to do. Can I tell you... I feel like wearing a Grinch suit about half the time. It's like, you know, I'll just wear the Grinch suit and that's when I'm going to kill everybody's Christmas. But you know what? That's actually not true. We're going to learn some things through this that I believe are necessary going forward. Amen? So let's not, let's not miss that. Let's not miss the opportunity to do some growing. Some of you have actually learned how to use FaceTime on your phones, haven't you? Some of you now know how to do a Zoom birthday party, don't you? Some of you have figured out, you know, staying in your house isn't the worst thing ever. Some of you have actually learned how to love your spouse a little more than you used to. Some of you probably want to kill your spouse a little more than you used to. I'm just kidding. We've learned some things, haven't we? God is good. God is good all the time. Amen? So let's have hope as we complete this journey. Let's rest and trust in him. Let's let him do whatever he wants to do. And as we go through this journey together, 
Let's be an encouragement to each other. Because we have the hope that the world needs. The question really is this. Will we show the world the hope that we ourselves have? Will we let them see practically in us the hope that we have that is anchored in heaven, that is immovable, can't be taken from us? Or will we cave? And I say, let's show the world the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. And I'd remind you that we have pastors available for prayer after service. If you're online, we have pastors online that are available right now. Uh, If you don't know the Lord Jesus, then the first step of that hope is to invite Jesus into your life. Ask him to be your Savior, your Lord, to forgive your sin. Express that faith and that hope and trust in him. That's the first step. And for the rest of us, it's just picking one foot up and putting it in front of the other and allowing the God of hope to guide every day. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the good news that we get to go back inside. Uh, And we pray for those that are still radically suffering. Lord, pray for all the businesses that are not able to engage yet in the things that you called them to and prepared them for. And so we pray for a swift end, Lord, that the vaccines would knock this dreaded virus out. And God, as we look forward to this week and to what it means to us as the body of Christ, that you, Jesus, would leave the glories of heaven and come to this earth as a babe in a manger, Emmanuel, God with his people. Lord, make us ever hopeful, joy-filled. Mark our lives with your goodness. Bless each one that's here. Lord, for those that don't know you, God, would you right now by your spirit speak the words of the gospel would they receive and believe and God would we who know you walk with you in new and exciting ways so that the world would know the hope that we have in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org God bless you guys and we'll see you next week